And welcome to Believing in the Geek, the Push Begins edition. I'm John Bonus of TruthDaily.com. With me, Karen Gleeman at the Athletic Pickup. Don't forget John Bonus on the TikTok as well. John <laughs> we just, just showed me. We just had a long conversation about TikTok. Aaron is fascinated now by TikTok and videos. Yeah, I would say that I'm fascinated because I'm an old man who doesn't really know what TikTok is, except John's older and is now <laughs> much considerably older. Not mentally, but just... Considerably older. Yeah, by carbon dating. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he showed me, his, he's been doing TikToks about the twins. You guys should go follow him on there, I guess. I don't know if I can really advise that, but I, why not? And he's getting like 25,000 views on it. And I'm like, what? I thought he was going to say like, eh, I got the 92 views. I said, how many are you getting on there? I was ready to make fun of him. He goes, oh, the last one got 24,000. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> And just you, you thought I'd added a couple digits. You know how like sometimes <laughs> something hits you and it, you just didn't even think it was in the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. That's what that was. Yes. Like if he would have said twenty four hundred, I'd have been like, "Wow, that's, that's like, really good." Yeah, yeah right. Twenty four thousand. Like you, big fat liar. What's the real number? <laughs> anyway, maybe TikTok's lying to me. It's possible TikTok is lying to me. Who okay. knows where those views lying come from? all the way to the bank? Yeah, well, yeah uh, that's right. Uh, we're here to talk about the Minnesota Twins and. Uh, Coming out of the All-Star break, they resume play uh, late night tonight on the West Coast against the uh, the powerhouse Oakland Athletics, one of the hottest teams in the league. Yes. Actually, yes. they have been playing better slightly, yes. or less worse, less bad. Yeah. Less, we less should have worse. played them in April or May, for sure. You're right. Uh, <laughs> they would have been better. So we thought about how we wanted to kind of treat this uh, All-Star break show. Yeah, because basically, since last time we talked on this free podcast, right. they got the, swept, they by, got the swept by the Orioles. We did get a uh, interview with Derek Falvey, which was right. kind kind of something we will mention a little bit. Yeah, but you know, not a lot else has happened, and we we only want to dwell on the Orioles sweep so much. Right? I was like, should we talk about the thing that happened a week ago that was bad? I mean, maybe. I'm not trying to avoid talking about, it, but we did talk about it Monday on the on the Patreon. Right. Yes. Uh, the draft has happened since then, which we'll touch on briefly here. But I will say, if you are a hardcore uh, draft person, of which I'm sure there are many listening to this, we did about a half hour, maybe yes. more, breakdown of not only Walker Jenkins, but the whole kind of approach to the draft and the first three picks and all that stuff Correct. on Monday. All the drama surrounding it. There was a fair amount of drama yeah. surrounding it. So we'll give you the, the Cliff's Notes version of that on this show. But if you're into that, Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com slash Gleeman. A lot of... Uh, you know, if you want more detailed stuff, timely stuff, that's, that's good, the way to go. What good, we're gonna good, good time to join in part because uh, a we're gonna be uh, diving even deeper into trade deadline talk during yes. the patrons. There's no question about that. And then uh, also because if there's an emergency podcast, you will be able right. to download it. Trade seasons right. are seasons. Yeah, this is the, the this is the time. There's two. Two great times to join. Two times a lot of people like to join the Patreon. The off season. The off se- I would say the off se- The big signings in the off season. Yeah, like winter meetings time. Right, that's right. And then the trade, trade deadline one. And then, you know, theoretically, there's a third. That would be the postseason. What's that now? <laughs> that's after the season. What happens with that? Lots oh, is that of, the thing where wait, they play when you do, three when you do games and their season? You do t- no, usually two. Two, yeah. It used to be three. Yeah, now yeah, it's two. Yeah. Okay. I kind of get – I have some memory yeah, of that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but instead of uh, recapping that and recapping the first half, we thought we'd kind of use this as a little bit of like a – almost like a reset. So what we're going to hopefully 
you'll see at the end of this if we follow through with this. Who yeah, knows? We get, I mean, I didn't expect to spend an hour talking about TikToks. TikTok. At the beginning, but I'm <laughs> right. fascinated. Uh, to talk about kind of where they stand with 71 games remaining. They've played 91 out of 71 games. They're 45 and 46, half game out of first place. Uh, kind of where they stand, what the, I don't know, bar for a successful second half would look like, what their actual odds here, and then as that, you know, kind of playing off that, going into what sixteen, seventeen days from now is the, is the two trade weeks deadline. from Tuesday is the trade deadline. Two and a yeah. half weeks basically is is the trade deadline. And so we want to sort of set the table for that, and then, like John said, we'll dive a lot deeper into, you know, yeah, they need a reliever. Which relievers should they go? Yeah, after? Here's the top ten relievers we think they're going to be right. uh, that, pursuing. Or here's that'll probably be a Patreon thing. So this is more big picture, which I think this year especially is doubly interesting to me because. A, the addition of a third wild card in each league, as we've talked about before, has really kind of muddied the waters in yes. terms of who's a buyer and who's a seller, at least yes. as of right now. Yes. Now, I don't know that two more weeks is really going to separate that, but it's going to have to. That's right. And then beyond that... There is a lot more procrastinating going right. along, going on, going on amongst the front offices right. in Major League which Baseball Falvey right now. talked right. to us about uh, Sunday, which we'll get into in a second. But then beyond that, it, it, the Twins position specifically... Not that they're kind of debating whether to be buyers or sellers. They're going to be either buyers or neutral, I would say, pretty clearly. But A, how much to buy or how aggressively to buy. But then even more interesting to me is what exactly are they trying to buy or should they be trying to buy? And I know it's very simple and just It's usually just been starting pitching. Right, right, (laughs) for 20 years (laughs) or 50 years. Right. and they don't really need that yes, now. Right. And even beyond that, you could say, well, they just need more hitting. Right. And so, well, yes, definitely agreed. Where would you like those hitters to play? Right. And yes. that gets tricky. Oh, there isn't really yes. a straightforward answer to that. Yes. So we're going to try to kind of make sense of that situation too. But I, first, I, I, I'll, I'll give a third reason okay. why it's interesting because they swung big and missed last year. Right. Uh, both both parts of that are interesting to me. First of all, they swung big. Uh, there, there is not. Listen, we're we're going to put the name show. We're going to talk about Shohei Otani at some point in the next two and a half weeks, and we all know it's a crazy idea that he would end up on the Twins for a two month rental. Everybody understands that. But over the last year, they have gone heavily that made a couple of big moves at the trade deadline last wow, year, and they went it. and got, got and they went out and signed Carlos Correa in the offseason. My point is that this front office is not afraid. Now, I'm not saying they're. Listen, I'm not saying that there's a, any. Any more than a five percent, three percent chance of Shohei Otani ending up even that, even that much, right? No. But the point is, is that it's not outlandish that they make that they are at least talking about something like that. Well, I, th- I think it's outlandish. I mean, let's not compare <laughs> Tyler Maui to Shohei Otani. I agree, they were aggressive last year by their standards, but they weren't even. I mean, we ranked them like the third or fourth most aggressive team you're at right. last you're year. Right. No, you're right. You're right. We did. It's like kind of like the fourth. payroll. Right. Yeah. Their payroll is big. By their standards, mm-hmm. it's kind of averageish by Fair. their overall Fair standards. Enough. But yes, your your overall point. I mean, nobody expected them to sign Correa. Nobody right. expected them to re-sign Correa. There's been some other moves that have this been... this front office has not been afraid to take big right swings. But there's big swings and there's you know, <laughs> big swings. Uh, so, but first, like, okay, so you know the basics of this team. If you've been listening to the show, or if you've never and you've just been watching, it's, it's pretty obvious. They pitch real good and they hit real bad. Yes. Right. Uh, okay, that's done. We can. That's right. Yep. Uh, that's 
you know, how do you get to 45 and 46 in the most frustrating way possible? Have one half of your team be exceptional. Right. Uh, they rank second in the American League in ERA, and they were first until last Sunday. <laughs> uh, my article's up today about that. <laughs> <Is> it, <laughs> John's laughing because I think I told that on the Patreon. You did tell him. Talk about that on allowing the page, 15 yeah. runs yeah. ruined their uh, league best ERA <laughs> and the entire premise of my article, forcing me to rewrite the bulk of it. But it's out today. I don't know if it's better. I don't know if it's worse, but it's the, the effing thing is published. So that's all I care about. Uh, but they have the second best ERA in the American League, third best in all of baseball behind Houston and Atlanta, which are two yeah. powerhouse teams. They're nearly ahead of Tampa Bay, which is another powerhouse mm-hmm. team. Uh, you know, they've certainly had, I would say, a top three pitching staff. Right. Well, how do you have a 500 record with top three pitching staff? Well, you have a bottom three or bottom five, let's say, offense. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny that. In baseball, well, everyone agrees and everyone knows inherently that hitting and pitching are fully separate and we talk about them differently and we'll often say they need pitching, they need hitting instead of just they need to improve, all that stuff. It does get treated differently right. in terms of the overall yep. impact than like football. No one would ever say, how can this team only be, um, you know, uh, nine and eight? I had to adjust because the NFL 17 games. Yes, you did. Yeah. Uh, I would not have made that how adjustment. Can te- how can this team only be 9-8 and eight or 8-9? Eight and nine? They have the number four offense in football. Well, you'd say, well, how bad's their defense? Oh, it's number right. 27. Yeah. And they go, well, that makes sense. You can score a lot. You can't stop the other team from scoring. And I even feel like in the NBA, you can make more sense of that. Like, oh, this team is just – they put up 120 every right. night. Yeah. But, but for some reason in baseball, I think in part because it – it's almost like more separate because the functions involved are so different and the players involved are completely different. And what I mean by that is like in basketball, right? a team that scores a lot but is terrible defensively, the same guys who are scoring a lot are the ones who are bad defensively. Do you know what right, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, right. Now, yes. I know football is completely different. Right. So it's a little bit – I don't know why football people seem to be able to separate more. But, you know – Ultimately, it's not – I guess it's not surprising that a team that has a top five pitching staff and a bottom five lineup is 500, except it feels strange because right. I guess maybe the Twins haven't experienced – they certainly haven't experienced this exact version of it, which is great pitching and bad hitting. They just haven't had great pitching almost ever. And when they have had great pitching you know, or borderline great pitching back in the Santana days, sure. the offense was you know, functional. <laughs> yeah, more and more no in the middle of that lineup. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, going back further into the 70s right. and 60s, they had some actual good lineups. They had some really good right. pitching. Staff. That's why they made the World Series and they won divisions and stuff. And so – but with that – so with that said – I don't think it's like confusing necessarily that they're 500 in the you know very extreme way. One half the team's really right. good. One half the, I think that, but it, I do think it's like that's almost custom built for frustration. Well, I think it's the second most frustrating way to have a 500 team. The first being a horrible bullpen. Everything okay, else is fair. pretty good. That's fair. And then the bullpen's the worst, yes. which we saw at times last year, and right. that was really frustrating. Because then it's like you play eight innings or right. seven innings of really good, and then it just gets all, you know, yep. it no. all vanishes. But I think this is the I second. I live with a Phillies fan, so I know this well. Right. I, can, yeah. I can assure you that is the most this frustrating way. This <laughs> is the second most frustrating way, and there's a bunch of different ways. You know, you could be bad defensively. You could be, you know, whatever right. it is, which is they consistently get 
really good starting pitching, both in terms of runs prevented and going deep into games. They lead, uh, or I think they're, they might lead the majors in innings per start still. They're either first or second. Right. And you just cannot put together four runs or three runs a lot of the time when that would win. And I think that's gets to the point where, A, everyone hates the lineup, right. rightfully. Right. But then, B, it almost like it, it chips away at the perception of the pitching in a weird way, which is guys going six and two-thirds right. and allowing three runs don't even really get full credit oh, for a geez, good I solid. I can't believe he gave up that home run, right. two-run home run in the second Exactly, right. because there's yeah. just no margin for error. And you see that in the bullpen, too. Like, oh, my God, that reliever gave up a solo homer. Well, yeah, if you were up five to two when that happened, big deal. But if right. it's a tie game, because you can't score. So anyway, um, but looking ahead, I think it's important, especially within the AL Central, which is an entirely different world than the rest of the baseball. <laughs> Both, you know, spending wise. NL Central isn't too far off. <laughs> I know people like to say that, but it's they both, got a significantly better. Both record. divisions have uh, they they have bet more, bet more wins losses. They have uh, about the same in terms of run differential. In the uh, AL Central, we've got one team with a positive run yeah. differential. In the NL Central, you got one team with a positive right. run differential. Uh, yes, I would. Uh, I'll uh, give you. I, I, I'll give I, you a ten wins. <laughs> I'll give you a plus ten for the NL Central, and I'll take the AL Central as the worst division for the end of the year. Uh, I'd have to. I'd have to take a look at that. Okay, there's your offer. It expires uh, four minutes. <laughs> I don't want you to actually think about it because maybe I'm an idiot. Uh, but here's my point with that, which is as bad as the Twins have been offensively, Cleveland has been even worse, and as as mediocre as the Twins have been, going 45 and 46. Right. Cleveland is half a game better. They're identical. Right. And with the right negative run differential. Right. With a negative run differential. And here's the other thing that is worth considering. The Twins have the single easiest remaining strength of schedule. And all that is is just adding up the records of their remaining opponents. Right. So if you play six games against Kansas City, you take Kansas City's record and you multiply it six times and you add it to the You're pile. You're going strictly by their records this year through, through, through 90-some games. Yes. Right. Okay. They have the single easiest strength of schedule remaining in all of baseball. Cleveland is like middle of the pack-ish, like okay. 16th, 17th or something like that, which is not a difficult schedule, no. but it's significantly different. And if you look within that, which I did this morning, so there are seven teams out of 30 who have a winning percentage under 450. So those are like the legit, just straight up bad teams, you know, 90 right. loss type of teams. Right. There's seven of them. Kansas City, Oakland. Colorado, Washington, the White Sox, the Tigers, and St. Louis. Now, you'll notice three out of yeah, those right. seven right. are in the yep. AL Central. Yep. Against those seven teams, the Twins play those seven teams 28 times in their remaining 71 games. So they play the absolute you know, bottom 20%, roughly, of, the, of Major League Baseball, 28 out of 71. So what's that, 40% of the time, something yeah. like that. Yeah, okay. Right. There are also, uh, conveniently, seven teams – out of 30, with a winning percentage above 550, which are the 90-plus really win teams. Right? Atlanta, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Miami, Dodgers, Rangers, Diamondbacks. They only play 13 games against those teams. Oh, so you good. play more than twice as many of the remaining 71 
Yeah. And then, so you add yeah, those so together. Fifteen percent of your games versus the right. twenty some percent. That's right, because they're good. done yep. playing yep. the Yankees. They're done playing the Astros. They're done playing yep. a fair number of the actual like consistently. Yes. Oh, this is a legit yep. good team. I mean, we've been saying that, right? We've yes. been saying this, and I think the it's first worth half schedule. Out. Is, yes, now, I agree with you. Does that make the Twins any more or less good? No. no. Does it I mean, make them any more or less likely to win a World Series if they get to the playoffs? No. But it does make them more likely to get to the playoffs. Right. And you can't win in the playoffs until you get to the. Playoffs. Are, should we be incredibly impressed if over the next several weeks when they're playing Kansas City and Oakland and whatever a million times that they have a pretty good record? No. But on the flip side, if they don't have a pretty good record against right. that, it's even worse than it looks. Yeah, you and, can't be going 500 versus right, exactly. yeah, right, yeah. Uh And then they have six games remaining against Cleveland, which is neither mm-hmm. in, in neither of those groups because they're 500. Right. Uh, exactly, 500. Uh, yeah, I, was thinking about, I was thinking about those Cleveland games. I mean, I'm glad in some ways I'm – Glad there's only six, but I guess I, mean, I guess that's always an easy way to make up make up ground versus them. It's one of those things where if either team goes five and one right. versus the other, it's going to well, be over. It's going to be it's going to be important. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard, be hard to make up those four. Now, if it, four and two, that's still important. Right. <laughs> right I mean, now. we saw that in the the late June series in Cleveland where they played five games because they were making up a, right. a washed out game, but. And the Twins went – they actually went two and three. It was just all three losses were bullpen implosions. Right, yes. And then Wes Johnson left and all that. And we just saw kind of the lingering feeling from that of each one of those kind of counts double yes, basically. Right. And so you have six games remaining, one home series, one road series. Yes. They're each three yep. against Cleveland. One is in late August. Then there's a series in between and then early September. They so, have a stretch in late August and early September, about a three-week stretch. Where they're facing the Rangers twice, they're mm-hmm. facing Cleveland twice, I think, and then they've got, I don't know, is Tampa Bay mixed in there, something like that Maybe as well? Like, three, they, yeah. They've got one stretch there at the end of August, beginning of September, which is going to be it's going to be important to be healthy for that stretch. Let's just right. put it that way. Well, right, because right. if you're saying, they and I am, that they have the easiest remaining schedule, any stretch like that is almost by definition the only stretch like that. Right. You know, like you, you get through that in decent shape, and if you look at how they finish the season... Yes, it's incredibly. Yeah, once, they, once they get past that stretch, yeah, they end up. So here, they, that stretch is starts on August twenty fourth. Four games versus Texas mm-hmm. at home, right? Uh, three games versus Cleveland at home. And by the way, it starts with two versus Milwaukee on the road, which is also not great, right? Then uh, three games versus Texas on the road. Three games versus Cleveland on the road. So Texas, Cleveland, Texas, Cleveland. Then the Mets, which. They folded it in. But then, yeah, three more versus Tampa Bay at home. And then that's and, it. And then that's that's through August 13th. And then August 14th and on, you've got Cincinnati in there, which doesn't seem as sure. easy as it used to be. That, that, True. Right? But you've got White Sox, Cincinnati, the Angels, Oakland, and Colorado. Right. I mean, that's – I mean, to end – it's. I think it's annoying for them to go to Colorado for a, th- a three-game road trip right. to end the season, particularly because there is a Coors Field effect mm-hmm. that can screw with teams physically. Yeah. So it kind of sucks to end the season there and then potentially start a playoff <laughs> series because yeah, right, yeah. the altitude kind of plays tricks on you a little bit. But you could not draw up an easier home road to end the right. season than Oakland right. and then Colorado. Right. Now, you'd rather play Colorado at home, obviously, because right. they're not that bad up usually at, at Coors. But yeah. Colorado's terrible, and they're going to be even worse by that yeah. point. And Oakland is terrible and is not going to be any better. Cincinnati by that might point. be in a pennant race at that point, so that could be a little tricky right. on the road. But Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, so that's where they stand. And because of that, fan gra- here's the three. I looked up fan graphs. 
baseball prospectus, baseball reference, projections. Okay. Here are these the, are the playoff odds that you're talking yes, about. Yes, playoff or, odds or division, Wouldn't which factor in <laughs> how they perceive the quality of the teams, but then factors also the schedule, right? Which plays a big part. Uh, Fangraphs has the twin. I'm only looking at winning the division. They have some marginal <laughs> yes. percentages to right. win the wild card, but I'm not stupid enough. I mean, to right think now that. they. I mean, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit later in the podcast about which teams are, you know. Going to be buyers and sellers. Yeah, I would. I think you can make a pretty strong argument that the teams around them in the wild card race should be sellers. Right. <laughs> right? Yes. If the Twins were just shooting for <laughs> right. a wild card, yes. the Twins right. should if be the sellers. The division was out of range. Right. Uh, okay. Because my feeling about the wild card is this: if the Twins are in the wild card race, they'll win the division. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, right. if the Twins are yes. playing well yes. enough to be near <laughs> yes. the top of the wild yes. card, that's they'll correct. have won the division that's probably. Right. Yes. You know, right. sorry to Cleveland to hear that, but I mean, we'll see. I was proved wrong last year, right. although not really. Cleveland wasn't that great. It's just now, but they went on a hell of a run in September. Well, yeah, but it helped that they were yeah. beating the Twins a bunch You're of times. Right. Uh, so Fangraphs has them at fifty-seven percent to win the division. Baseball Reference has them at seventy-three percent to win the division. Wow. And Baseball Prospectus has them at 60% to win the division. So depending on how you want to trust, it's somewhere between 60 and 70%, yeah. let's say, to win the division. And so uh, the only reason I'm saying that is, A, to try to set kind of expectations, because everyone hates this team, it seems like. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it's, it is right. frustrating to watch this team. And the trend has certainly not been upward. Absolutely. Right. I mean, they were those probably were 75 and 80% right. three weeks ago or something yeah. like that. I mean, I know they were. I used to check them. But... But I think it's worth noting, and this really gets hammered home to me with each visiting AL Central team that comes to target field, <laughs> talking to their writers yeah, and talking right, yeah. to sometimes some of their staffers and a player or two once in a while, which is like all the complaints people have about the Twins are exist with Cleveland, exist with the White Sox, and I'm sometimes right. even magnified, but because – Twins fans and us even are so focused on the Twins, right. you kind of just assume the other situations can't possibly be this bad, right? right. You assume, my God, the Twins are they're going to set the strikeout record. They can't score runs. Boy, it must be better in Cleveland. Oh, no, Cleveland scored 25 <laughs> fewer runs yeah, than the right. Twins. So yeah. yes. I, I think that's, it's worth just sort of setting expectations but also kind of at least being fully aware of your surroundings right. uh, and how how decrepit they are in the AL Central. Like it, the wallpaper is peeling. Yes. All the, all the ceilings are dripping some sort of yellow uh, liquid from them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. The carpet's the walls all, are bleeding. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> – Get out. Yeah, it would. It turned it into a horror movie. Don't, by the way, don't get out because it's not going to be any better for you in another division. No, you want to stay in this haunted house for as long as you can. Um, so – and then the the only other thing there, so that has a direct impact, obviously, on the trade deadline, which we're going to really get into here in a second, right. yes. which is, you know, if you look at just outside of any context, a 45 and 46 team, we would be sitting here and we would be, first of all, their playoff odds would be like 10%, probably, something like that. If they were not, if they were in the West or the East or just right. a neutral division, you know, a normal division, they'd probably be. Six or eight games back, I mean, they might be 10 or 15 games back, depending on which division, we'd be sitting here going, well, could they sneak into a wild card? Well, it's probably worth selling so-and-so and pending free agents, all that stuff. But because you need to be aware of your surroundings and because, you know, this is worth fighting for in the sense that no one should be excited to win the 2023 American League Central. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Right. Like, you're going to hang the banner, but maybe the banner should have like a – 
you know, NC-17 warning on it or something. Like, don't look too close at this thing. But the the payoff at the end is significant. Right. And it's more significant than ever because of the way they've structured the playoffs now in the new CBA. It's not, oh, you know, we won the world's crappiest division. Our reward is, you know, going to Houston or going to Yankee Stadium right. and to just get their, you know, doors blown off. The reward in this case is any division winner, no matter how bad, the worst division winner in each league is hosting a best of three series and not just hosting. You get all three games at home right. against the number six seed, which just is the, the third and the last, final yeah, wild card. The last wild card team. Right. right. Which almost by definition, that's going to be like an 85 to 87 win team, maybe 88 win team, <laughs> right. something yeah. like that. I mean, it's going to be the third place team in the AL East mm-hmm. or maybe the West, something right. like that. I mean, yes. it's not going to be. Now, that team maybe played exceptionally well in the Might second be the half. place team in the AL East. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, you're right. Houston, Houston or Texas. But some years it could be. Right. Yes, right. That's right. And so that is as big of a competitive advantage as a 500 mediocre team from a horse S division right. is ever going to be able to get. You're playing three games all at home against the last of the playoff qualifiers who might have a better record than you, right. but they're still yes. not good. Right. You get all three at home. You got to win two of them. You're going to get the extra revenue from that. You're going to get to hang out at home. You don't have to travel on the road, all that stuff. And so if your goal is to win the World Series, you cannot do that without making the playoffs. <laughs> and even if your goal is smaller than that, and it's just win a GD playoff game, <laughs> which is, I would think, a reasonable goal at this point, you will never get a better setup to win one effing playoff game than getting a three-game series entirely at home against the number six seed out of six. And if that's With not, one of the top pitching staffs well, in the, that's uh, a whole in the yes. league. Yes. Right. Well, that's another issue that we we can talk about. You know, as frustrating as this type of team is to watch over 162 games, I do think this is the best version of a 500 right. team right. in terms of what it could mean in the playoffs. Yes. Because if you're going to have crappy pitching and a pretty good lineup, you're going to lose in the playoffs. But if you're going to have really good starting pitching, you can. I'm not saying they'd be a favorite or anything to yeah. win the World Series, but it's a better version of that. And so all I'm saying here is. I know there are going to be people out there who say, is this even worth giving up more prospects to bring in people? And that's all worth right. debating. You know, Should they be sellers because they're not going anywhere? A, you don't know where they're going. There's been te- good teams right. that haven't gone anywhere. There's been bad teams that have gone plenty of places in the playoffs. you got to get there and see what happens. But beyond that, you know, it's fine to be like the goal is winning the World Series and this team does not seem equipped to win the World Series. Obviously. Right. Agreed. But – We've seen strange stuff happen. 1987, there isn't a single person ever at the time or probably even midway <laughs> right, through yes. the playoffs right. who thought this team's going to win the World Series. Right. You've got to get there first right. and then see what weird Nobody stuff happens. Nobody thought they were going to knock off Detroit. Right, obviously. Sure. And, but then beyond that, you got to at least win a playoff game. And until they win a playoff game, this fan base is rightfully so, I don't want to say checked out, but just, you know, who cares? Until this happens. It does reduce the importance, right. the feel of the entire yes. regular season. And so my point would be, whether you're a great team and you're running away from the AL Central, whether you're a mediocre team and you're trying to race to 84 wins so you can beat out another mediocre team, getting to the playoffs is extraordinarily important for your big picture goal. And specifically, getting to the playoffs and setting yourself up with a best of three entirely at home against a third wild card 
is the best shot you're ever going to have to just win a damn playoff game. And to me, that is worth fighting for. And if it's not worth fighting for, what are we even doing? You know what I mean? Like you have to at least cross that bridge at some point or every year that you don't do that, people just care less and less about the regular season. And so that's kind of how I view you know, the state of the Twins entering the trade deadline. I don't think this is a great team. I think they're a little bit better than a coin flip to win the AL Central because of the schedule. I wouldn't expect them to even be favored at home against a wild card team. But you're never going to get uh, you know, more of a red carpet to a playoff win laid out than the scenario you would receive by winning this division. And so my response to that is go try to push and win this division. I don't think you will ever regret that. You know, in a meaningful way. Obviously, you don't want to make bad trades like they did last year. So before we get I'll into, give, I'll give you yeah. one more, but okay. I'll do it after we t- catch our sponsor, okay. which is uh, HelloFresh. I have got a, uh, I have got a um, order from HelloFresh coming on Wednesday. It is the uh, family stuff, which yeah. we enjoy. We tried a bunch of them. We tried the fit. We tried the. Um, the fit has too much rice in it. Chrissy's not a rice person. Oh, so that's a lot, I of, love, a lot right? of I know. I know. Ironic. I'm the least fit uh, person in the world and I like rice. But yeah, the, you with uh, with HelloFresh you can choose kind of your your menu each right. week. That's right. And you can customize it to some extent. And you know, you, if you have kids, yes. you can do a family menu. So they'll send you stuff that kids like. If yeah. you're just, uh, it's a great way to do a date with somebody. It's a great way to do a family date with your kids. Yeah. When you because what happens is it all shows up in packages. Everything you know, the frozen stuff's frozen. The it's all pre-portioned. All, all pre-portioned. Uh, you just you might have to chop some things. You yeah. know, that's, that's like, part of the, That's about it. And it's got a full recipe card with pictures. Yeah. Step-by-step right? instructions, <laughs> instructions. Right. For even doofuses like me. <laughs> and, and, it, and it ends up looking fancy. It ends up tasting yeah. good. It's very Instagrammable. You, you, can, you can either get the ones that are really healthy or the ones that are not quite as healthy, which... They have vegetarian options. Right. They have meat-heavy options, right. all that stuff. And so if you want to give HelloFresh a try, you just go to HelloFresh.com slash Gleeman50. That's Gleeman50. Use the code Gleeman50, and the reason it's 50 is you get 50% off, plus they'll give you free shipping on your first order. So that's HelloFresh.com slash Gleeman50. Use the code Gleeman50 when you're checking out. That's uh, America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. That's right. And also, if you're just into snacking, you know anybody who's into snacking, Aaron Gleeman? I'm interested. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm interested. <laughs> me, me and Barrero yesterday had a whole conversation once I was off the air about how neither of us are trying to eat past like 8.30 p.m. because we're old men and it crushes us for the next five days. Right, yeah. However, when you got stuff from nuts.com, oh my goodness. it's very tempting. Cause Although some of it's very healthy. That's like, true. You, like, you don't feel... Right. Horrible. Yeah. You, you can go either way with Nest.com. You can get the gooby bear, the chocolate covered yeah. gooby bears, right? Yeah. right? Or you can get the cashews or the almonds, yes. right? Yeah, a little both. Or you can go in between, which I think my favorite was like the p- bourbon soaked pecans or something. It was, yeah. oh my goodness. You can get as good. decadent or as healthy as you want, <laughs> yeah, basically, that's right. with yeah. Nuts.com. That's right. Uh, and they're offering new customers a free gift with purchase, and they'll give you free shipping on orders of $29 or more. You just go to nuts.com slash Gleeman. Check out all the delicious delicious options at nuts.com slash Gleeman. You'll receive a free gift and free shipping when you spend 29 bucks or more. That's nuts.com slash Gleeman. Snack smart with nuts.com. All right. Um, all right. Oh, my second point was going to be on, on that same yeah. question is, you know, <laughs> you can take, a, again, I'll come back to the point I keep making, which does never seem to quite be true, which is the team we have now is not necessarily the team you're going to have in October. I have that right here. <laughs> <as a board. laughs> right? And 
on your point of, you know, you might as well go for it because yes. <laughs> you've got everything going for Rebuilding you. Rebuilding is a sham. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm totally with In you general. on that. You know, uh, the other the other thing about that is that the advantage to having one of the worst offenses in the, in the thing is that it doesn't take that much mo- that much to get it better. Now, True. Uh, alternately, alternately it works the other way as well. Sure. That's what I. That's the fear is that the pitching is going to regress somewhat, right? Mm-hmm. But the truth is, you don't have to make you don't have to have that many things go right for this offense for it to be a much better offense. Yeah, I mean, even an average <laughs> offense, right? With this pitching now, staff. none of them have none of them worked so far. Right. <laughs> We're four months into this, and we uh, we still haven't found what those few things are that we need to to fix, but. You know, you you get uh, one or two decent bats. You get a couple guys warming up. You get a guys or a guy or two healthy. It could be looking like a you know middle of the pack offense, and suddenly that is worth something in the playoffs. Right. So. No changes have been made. Obviously, coming out of the break, I'm assuming they won't be. I mean, they don't play till tonight, but I think they probably wouldn't have waited to announce that stuff. It's right. not my sense that anything's going to happen. We'll see. By the time you listen to this, things will either have or not happened. But I don't think that's a shock. Necessarily, I think people are frustrated by that. Obviously, of all the I think people from should all be the talk of change and everything. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I mean, we're past the point from a roster standpoint when we. I think we both agree we would have made changes already. I think there are people in the organization who feel the same way and I have will, been sort of overruled. I will. Uh, I will suggest as well that with two and a half weeks to the trade deadline, you might want to have a sense of if you can fix any of this stuff internally before you start well, venturing right. outside the organization I for have it. This is, I mean, I mean that one of the things we're going to talk about when we get to the point where we're actually talking about all the different trade candidates out there is all the corner outfielders that are available. Right. And if that is something that you want to fix, you might want to see whether or not you have a fix in, I, in I the organization. I agree completely. And even just the bigger question of a left-handed bat, <laughs> let, I mean, more specifically a left-handed corner outfielder, it's like if you're not even willing to part ways with Kepler or Gallo, both of whom have struggled all season, but especially right. Gallo since a good April. He's hitting 165 with a 44% strikeout rate, which is just you know absurd, obviously. And Kepler's in his third straight season of people getting excited every good week he has, but ultimately the numbers are just not there. If you're not even willing to push those si- guys aside for your homegrown first-round pick, you know, good performing AAA guys, which is Walner and and Larnick too, who's now crushing at AAA. Well, then should we really be saying, well, they should try to add some corner outfield, the lefty bat? Because it's like, well, they won't even push those guys aside for options that they can get to the ballpark with no cost right. tomorrow. Right. And so it is a and the guys that you're picking, the guys that are going to be available at this trade deadline, right, are not especially in the corner outfield spots are not superstars. They're good, solid contributors. Or they're, they're, some right. of them could be good, solid contributors, but. You know, they're not like, oh, well, this is a no-brainer uh, to add this guy to the lineup. So, yeah, it feels like you can- it's it's confusing to me. I mean, I think they need to find a way to get more production from the outfield, and they're hamstrung because their best center fielder is their designated hitter, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And he's not really hitting anyway. So, you know, Buxton. Their two corner outfielders, primary corner outfielders, yeah. are Gallo and Kepler or some Willie Castro in there. Right. And none of them are hitting, really, for months now. I know Gallo's overall OPS plus is above average, yeah. but, I mean, come on. Uh, and how do you fix an outfield that has been among the worst in baseball at production across all three spots? You, it's going to be really difficult to find an impact center fielder on the trade market. 
I mean, it would be incredibly expensive, and I don't even know that there are really anybody who kind of fit that description who's going to be an upgrade over Taylor and, and all that. But you can almost always find a just a corner bat, which is what makes the lack of right. production there so frustrating. Except you can go look at St. Paul and find a potential right. corner bat. And I know people are skeptical about rookies, and Larnick hasn't impressed, certainly. But Walner deserves a chance, and I would argue, certainly compared to Kepler or Gallo, Larnick deserves another chance now that he's crushing AAA. But if you're unwilling to just even give those guys a chance and you're unwilling to part ways with the underperforming veterans that you're paying roughly $20 million to for two players, well, then it's it logically it seems a stretch that you would then go out and try to trade for a left-handed right. hitting outfielder and give up assets unless maybe those assets are Larnick and Walner because <laughs> uh, you just don't trust them for whatever reason. Uh, but within that, a right-handed hitting corner bat would make all kinds of sense yep. <laughs> and it would make sense whether yeah. you keep kepler and gallo or you ditch kepler and gallo for walner and larnick right one or both of those things because those are all four left-handed hitters yeah, I'm, glad, all four, I'm glad we're off on this little tangent here yes right here. no matter who your right. yep. primary corner outfielders are whether right. it's the underperforming veterans or the two guys you could replace them with internally they all could be paired with a right-handed hitting corner yep. outfielder yep. and <laughs> It's also funny to me that I think, you know, we'll go over this, but maybe you disagree. But at the beginning of the offseason, we kind of laid out, I remember, like four or five, you know, boxes that they need to check. One of which was like shortstop. Yeah. Well, they checked that with Correa. One of which was catcher. They checked that with Vasquez. Now, I'm not saying these moves have worked out well, right. but they, for the most part, they checked the boxes that were kind of obvious to everyone. Depth, for instance, was another one. Uh, the two boxes that they didn't check and that we were kind of dumbfounded by, which is easy to do because we're dumb, but <laughs> were set up bullpen right-hander, right yep. kind of just one more veteran, Michael Fulmer, we talked about a lot, obviously, but yes. just that type of guy. No, not a world beater, not a $10 million a year guy, just a guy on a one-year $6 million deal that you can put in the seventh inning and right. add depth to the bullpen. Well, they never did that. And I still think they need that. But then the one that was really odd to me was right-handed hitting corner outfielder slash first baseman. Right. And, and what are the two things that we're going to say that they need at the trade? Yesterday? Those exact same two things. It's funny <laughs> yep, how that works, yep. right? The two things they needed in yep. November yep. and January and March are still the two things that are most obvious to them you know, in mid-July and probably on August 1st at the trade yep. deadline. And are those the biggest problems on the entire team? No, but they're the most obvious, just unaddressed holes, and they remain holes. And I think it's hurt them. And I think it; those are the easiest ways to kind of make the get the most bang for your buck, I guess. Yeah. Which is to bring in a just a quality reliever, some guy who's got three years of good track record, and whether he's an impending free agent or he's got another year, whatever it is, should not break the bank. <laughs> and to just find a random averageish guy who can play left field, right field, first base, you know, and is a 270 hitter with 20 homers that you can spot against lefties and he can play every day if you need him to should not be difficult except that was the case in November it was the case in January it was the case in March and they just they were unwilling or unable to use assets on that instead they kept the bullpen basically intact they brought back Emilio Pagan instead of replacing him essentially right. and then they kept Kyle Gar uh, Kyle Garlic as that right-handed right. bat and you know he's been at AAA for most of the year so those to me are the most obvious, like what do they need to do at the deadline? Not because I think those are the biggest headline grabbing moves, just because those are gaping holes and have been for six months. I guarantee you, 
Yeah. That as we get into, as we do a deeper dive into the relievers, the name Michael Fulmer is going to come up. He's in been terms, good. In terms of, horrible know, start. Been, yeah, and then terrible, horrible start. Decent, job, decent work with the Cubs. He's absolutely going to be available on the market. He's a free agent to be. Uh, he, the Twins had him last year. We talked the whole offseason about them signing him, and I wouldn't be shocked if they traded for him again. Saw, and, uh, it's just uh, it's, it's, they need a Michael like Fulmer the, type. <laughs> I don't right. even. I don't. I'm not some right. huge Michael Fulmer fan, but no, right. I, I saw there's a comedian named Todd Barry who I, I've seen in person a couple times. And I, he tells a joke about how he used to be like a, he was in the wrestler. He has like a bunch of bit acting parts okay. and he does commercials sometimes. And he said that one day he showed up uh, for an audition and the call sheet for the audition that they send out to like agents and reps to get people to come into audition said, we're looking for a Todd Berry type, <laughs> which is like a short, bald guy who speaks monotonely. <laughs> and so he said, I showed up and they looked at me and they said, I don't think you're right for this. <laughs> And he thought, well, that's about right. And so I'm looking for a Michael Fulmer type. It doesn't yeah, need to right. be Michael Listen, Fulmer. I, it could be Michael Fulmer. You know, I'm going to be very interested in the Patreon episode where we break down the relievers because there's going to be a lot of relievers out there. There always available. are. I mean, yeah. There always are. It feels like maybe in particular because uh, it feels like there is a somewhat of a dearth of hitters available out there depending on right. how some of the teams go and how some of the how willing they are to move some of their bigger names but yeah so i mean but the the relief i mean it feels to me like you should be able to fall down and fall into a, a decent right-handed reliever right. and that right doesn't now. mean right. those guys are going to thrive i mean right you're getting like 15 20 innings of a reliever when you trade for them at the deadline you're right. getting not much i mean one bad outing wrecks the whole thing and there's a sam dyson you can get right, yes. there's a jorge lopez you can get although i would say lopez was even they were shooting higher than i even necessarily I think agree. they need to shoot yeah well that's I, I think that might be one of the uh, that we, but, when we have the reliever conversation we're right. going to talk about that. i'm thinking more yeah a michael homer type <laughs> yes. or michael former right. a sergio romo type from yes. three years ago those are the right. type of is this guy going to carry the bullpen yes. no is this guy going to strike fear yeah. in the opponent in the ninth inning right. of a world series no but can this guy pitch the sixth or the seventh inning in a 42 game and you feel okay right. about it yeah that's a lot the, a lot of the Non-competitive teams that you mentioned, the team, the seven teams that right. you mentioned, no matter how bad the team have is, have a couple of guys right. like that, right? Absolutely. Yes, right. Uh, so, I guess before, okay. So we talked to Falvey on Sunday before they gave up 15 runs. It should be noted, <laughs> uh, and he was answering questions about the draft. Right. And he was answering some injury update stuff about like Polanco. started with injury updates. Then he talked a little deadline talk. Right. Then he talked. To, then he talked. So about. I'm just pulling the a couple bullet points of of deadline related stuff because that's what we're focused on here. But the the few things he. He said that I thought were kind of interesting, and you know he's he speaks in uh, corporate tongue, sure. So it's you know you gotta you gotta slice and dice it to get sure. meaning. But he said something that we've talked about quite a bit, which is it's very difficult. You know, everyone always goes, "Why don't they just make the trade in June?" They know they need a reliever. They know they need. Well, it's it's pretty tough. To, you got to pay a real premium, and the the number of the you know the supply and demand is all out of whack because. Right. Most of the teams don't know where they're right. at now, that's right. and they're not really looking to make trades because. And that's become. He talked a little bit. How about that's even become worse than it was right. because uh, in, of the in previous years because wild of the card wild card stuff. Uh, he, you know, could that lead to more kind of major leaguer for major leaguer trades? In that you say, well, we need some bullpen help. You need some outfield help. What if we trade you Joey Gallo or Max Kepler for some random sixth inning reliever or something like that? I think that could potentially be a fit, and that widens the circle of Maybe. teams that can be both buyers and sellers because yeah. it's like need for need, except finding a fit in that regard can often be difficult, obviously. Sure. I mean, the reason prospect for veteran trades work so well is it's like trading draft picks. 
Everyone right. just kind of recognizes the value of it. There isn't that much, you know, you can... Well, you, both teams also have to believe that they can kind of turn around the guy well, that they're getting, too. too. Like, the, the other team has to be like, well, yeah, but, you know, Max Kepler's going to be better for us than he's been for you. And we have to be like, they're, they're not giving us their second best reliever. They're giving us their right. fifth best reliever. They're and giving us and, the and we, Max and, Kepler and we, and of relievers. Like, yeah, he's, been your, he's your fifth best reliever, but we think he's going to be our third best right. reliever. Like, everybody has to put some projection on top of that, and that's a tough thing to do with two months left in the season. Right. I mean, you're, yeah, you're getting the Joey Gallo or the Max Kepler right. relievers. That's right. not the most appealing. But he made it very clear that he views the, the Twins as buyers and not sellers. Yes. Um, although those lines, like I just said, can blur a little bit. And then, you know, I thought the one quote of his that got people kind of uh, worked up was when he said a couple different times, you know, yeah, we need to improve offensively, but the biggest improvement there is going to come from, and he, we were standing outside the clubhouse, the guy, he pointed to the right. clubhouse, You're not gonna the see guys major, in that room right. getting better. And people took that to mean, I don't think we need to make any changes. What he meant, and I sort of agree with this, and we've talked about this a lot, yeah. which is if Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton or Jorge Polanco and, you know, on and on, the, the veteran right. core guys of this lineup, Jose Miranda, if you want to toss them in there, Kepler, if he stick, sticks Joey around. Gallo. Yeah, all this <laughs> yeah, stuff. Right. If those guys are just going to continue to not produce – Bringing in one bat isn't going to do anything because right. those guys have a bigger impact than collectively and maybe individually than anybody we're going to bring in. Now, I would argue that any improvement is still improvement. Sure. You know, even if those five or six guys are going to continue to be bad, bringing in one guy who might not be bad can still. R- and, there, and there can be a cascade effect towards sure. a positive direction where they start to build off something like that. We saw that. For those of you that are really old and watched uh, Twins games uh, 20 years ago, the 2003 acquisition of Shannon Stewart. Shannon Stewart was very good. He had, he had 350 or something over the last two months. But suddenly the entire lineup was better right. because Shannon Stewart was atop the lineup being uh, wow. getting on base on a regular basis. I would say the was. entire lineup was better and Shannon Stewart well, that's did true. that. Not because. Well, maybe Shannon not. Right. But Whatever. yes, who cares? Yeah, what who, they, yeah right. I don't, uh, I, listen, I don't have to necessarily uh, uh, analytically find it. I, can, I, I find a special sauce. I'm going to eat the special sauce. <laughs> That's it. That's the way it's going to work. Eating the special sauce. There's might be the title. <laughs> um, if, the, if they win a playoff game, will you eat the special sauce? I'll I eat special sauce all the time. I love Big, no, Big but Mac. Like there sauce. was a, in, in succession in the last episode. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, they were in a kitchen like the three siblings, and they just made a – they put like a blender, and they the one guy agreed to eat whatever they made, so they put just – all kinds of stuff in this eggs, <laughs> who, peppers, who knows? And they blended it up. Yeah. And I forget what they called it, but it was something funny. And he took like a sip and he was like, oh my God. So that's, I'm just imagining I get to make the if sauce. If they win the playoff series, not a game. Okay. We, we can talk about eating a special sauce. Okay. Well, this is exciting yeah. now. Okay. Now these are steaks. Now they need to go out and make big <laughs> trades, mortgage the farm system. Um, so those are the, the things that Falvey said. I don't disagree with anything he said. I mean, he didn't say much, so there isn't that much to really go, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. Uh, so kind of using that as a jumping off point, you know, is this team worth investing in? Hopefully I laid out a relatively compelling reason for yes, even if you don't think much of this team, which I don't as currently constructed. <laughs> right, yes. My point is it's not. you don't have to be great to win this division and you then with what you're handed in terms of a playoff matchup and a home field you don't have to be great to win that or at least right. win a game yes. that's worth fighting for and then to your point there's nothing that says that the team you put out there on the field for game one of the playoffs has to bear any significant resemblance to the team it's been in 
April, May, June, July, August, even in September. Like, you know, obviously you're not going to overhaul the entire roster. But what I mean is if a couple of guys start hitting, like you said, and they call up Walner and he starts mashing and they go trade for a right-handed bat and he's batting fifth and but game one of the playoffs, you're starting, you know, Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez at home against a not exceptional team by definition. And you look at the lineup and you go, all right, well, they got Correa. He's had a good second half. Buxton's right. been healthy. You know, so Walner's mashing. The guy they added is hitting 285 with 10 homers or something like that. Right. It Because it looks bad now makes it likely that it will continue to look bad because, yeah. you know, that's just how things work. But there's nothing that says, you know, the lineup you're looking at for game one of a playoff series it's not any worse because they stunk in July. Right. Do you know what yes, I mean? Right. Yeah. Like it, it's whatever I mean, you roll out there for that game is what you're putting out there. The the pass doesn't really matter that much. And so that's why I think it's worth investing in. It's worth making changes no matter how marginal they may seem. And it's worth trying to push and put out a product or a, a roster right. that is gives you your best shot even though – it's been ugly up until that. I'll point. take it a step further. I mean, one of the things that uh, we talked about, we, we've talked about a lot, is and one of the things that the, the, the tick, one of the TikToks I did was uh, oh, is, is it it's bad enough where the Twins' offense is. What's really depressing about the Twins' offense is it doesn't seem to be trending in an upward right. direction whatsoever. There's no sign that it's trending upward. Well, here's the thing: if you are the front office and you're looking at the coaching staff and you're looking at the players and you're saying you have to get better, you have to figure something out, you have to make some, you have to make some changes, right? And you're going to say. But not us. Yeah, we don't have to we don't have, media. we don't have to add anybody well, to this thing. that's my point of frustration at this point. Well, I mean, that, that is a, listen, that's a point of frustration in terms of how they're managing the current roster for sure, right? right? But uh, – and maybe managing the coaching staff as well. Right. But on, you certainly can't say all that and say, yeah, but we're not really adding anybody. Right. I agree. So Even if it's just I mean, kind of for on. show, right. you need to at least – provide some evidence yeah. that listen, you – yeah, If your point is we've got to – what you're saying is – we need to see an upward trend between now and September to really have you – know, if we see an upward – it's possible to see an upward trend from now through September, which makes the, the team that we have in October be a different team than we are seeing now. Right. But sooner or later, you've got to reverse the trend and actually get an upward well, trend. And that takes all hands on deck, including the people who are making the trades. Well, and I guess within that, I would say – Regardless of what happens with the 13 hitters currently on the team, whether they do trend upward, as the Twins hope, right. or they trend downward or <laughs> yes. stay the same, right. you're going to be better off by having of a bat added to that. Like, you you know, if you make the playoffs and none of these guys have caught fire in the second half, you're still going to be better off for having added a decent right-handed hitter. And if they have caught fire in the second half, if Correa's on fire and Buxton's on fire and they're starting to hit... Well, then that's just icing on the cake then. Maybe right. you've built a really good offense at that point. There's no real downside to me other than, you know, you're giving up prospect capital and you've got to be right. careful there. But, uh, okay, so I have a few other uh, points. So just, about Falvey? No. The okay. Fal I mean, the Falvey stuff wasn't that interesting. Okay. But uh, so we mentioned this, but they got the hardest part under control. <laughs> the hardest and yes. most expect the hardest to fill and most expensive yes. to acquire part right. certainly at midseason, but really any time of year right. is frontline starting yes. pitchers and they yes. got four of them. And they right. might have five of them. They certainly have four of them in terms of how they perform right. although, this season. Although this year at the trade deadline there's probably more starting pitching available than I've seen in terms of some of yeah, the, but it's still the, not going to be cheap. Deadlines. It's never going to yeah. be cheap. Yeah. I mean, and That's so true. in turn like you look at their farm system or even trading major leaguers like a Kepler or Miranda or something like that. You only have so many bullets, right? And right. so 
not having to spend those bullets on a Tyler Malley or even you know go, you know even somebody less uh, touted than that at the time helps you. It conserves those bullets in general, but it allows you then to spend them on a hitter or spend them on a reliever. And so I think not only do they have the hardest and most expensive to get things under control, which is a rotation, but specifically right. having three or four <laughs> playoff caliber starters, right. you also have Duran as your closer. You have Griffin Jacks and potentially Brock Stewart right. late in the game. Now, yep. Brock Stewart's injury is part of the reason why I think they need to acquire another reliever. Sure. But what I mean is in the playoffs, you don't need 13 pitchers. You don't even really need 10 pitchers. And so the notion of just quality depth or above average or even average guys the the kind of spectrum of importance changes completely. In the playoffs, you need basically three and a half starters. I mean, look, we talked about the, how the first round is the best of three. We need three starters for that. Yes. Uh, and then you can deal with right. it later. Yes, right. Well, they have that. Yes. I mean, they certainly have three starters. And to play a three-game series at home, and I'm assuming there won't be any days off. It'll just be straight three games. Usually is. You probably are going to need three or four relievers that you can count on. Well, they have minimally two in Duran and Jacks. I think Stewart, if healthy, certainly looks the part. Caleb Theobar, if healthy, potentially looks the part. But because those two, those latter two, both have injury concerns and are on the IL right now, I think adding one more name to that list. But, I'm with you. 100%. But from a pitching standpoint, I'm not saying this is the perfect pitching staff. I'm not saying they're they're bound to win, you know, a bunch of two to one games and make a playoff run. But I'm saying you have. Ninety percent of a playoff caliber or a a title caliber uh, pitching staff. You have four legit starters. You have between three and four legit relievers, and adding one more reliever to that mix shouldn't be that expensive. Yeah. So I feel good about that part. I mean, yep. obviously, look, would you like to have Prime Johan atop the rotation instead sure. of Sonny Gray or sure. Pablo Lopez or something like that? Well, yeah, but right. playoff caliber starters to me is something they have very clearly been lacking. You know they. Too often over the last 20 years, the guy taking the mound in the first inning for them, you go, why is this guy starting a playoff game? And they don't have anybody. That's right. not going to be the case right. this year, assuming relative health. I mean, you can argue even if they've got a quick turnaround into round two. Right. <laughs> they've, yes. they've got a, uh, somebody. They've got a fourth guy that they can probably rely on to start Agreed. game one. And so the easy part, relatively speaking, should be just go at a bat somewhere. But what complicates it a little bit and what we'll get into here now is – that is simple in the sense that you just need competent, slightly above average or even average major league hitters. You just need some corner bats who can hit 270 with 20 homers. Not in the second half, but I mean right. like that's yeah, their season line. Yeah, right. Except where do you need them? Where would they slot in? Makes it a little trickier than just throw a dart, hit a guy, and trade for him. A little bit, but not much. Before we get, before we dive into that, let's cover our last two sponsors. Uh, game time, game time app. Twins uh, coming back to town here in a week, and uh, you're going to want to be able to go get your tickets on the game time app. I think I went out there last one and found four dollar tickets. Now there's some, there's uh, you know there's fees on top of that, but I have gotten tickets on my way while I'm walking to the game. I've gotten tickets. I have been sitting at uh, Bricksworth and uh, on the patio with two friends and realized we only had two tickets for the three of us. And I go out there and I download the game. I, I've got the game time app. I download a ticket and my friends got a, a ticket to the game. We all walk into the game. It's all 15, 20 bucks. And 
the best part about it is for you guys, that $15 or $20 ticket price can be absolutely free. Yeah, so game time specialty is hard to find and or last minute tickets like John just said. All you have to do is download the game time app, you create an account, and then when you check out, you use the code Gleeman and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, just create an account on the game time app, redeem the code Gleeman for 20 bucks off, download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And finally, Harry's Razors. Uh, I have been, we've been Harry's Razors. I've been a Harry's Razors fan now for 10, 15 years. I honestly, I, I honestly still feel like I'm learning best how to use a razor as good as Harry's. I've gotten to the point now where I, uh, one of the things that, that when you get the package, the great package that they send, they also have like a little instruction book on sort of shaving. One of the things they mentioned is, you know, because our razors are so sharp and because you are replacing them all the time, you don't have to be afraid to shave against the grain. So I shave once with the grain and then I shave once against the grain. Now I've gotten to the point now, even after I shave against the grain, I'll like feel my face a little bit. And if I feel just a little spot there, I'll go back and touch it up a little bit because the razor is so, you, right. listen, the reason you don't shave against the grain with most razors is because that razor got old in a hurry. Like yeah, it, and it's you a pain may, in the ass yeah, to replace it. Yeah, either it's not a great razor, right. like 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 Harry's are, or yeah, it's a pain in the ass, pain in the butt <laughs> to replace it. And so this couldn't be easy to replace it. You just go to Harry's.com. They'll ship it to you whenever you need it. It's you two parts razor, yeah. five blades. Unbelievable. Here's what they're offering, which is a seven uh, a craft handle starter set. Yes. And so what that has, which is sweet, it's the <laughs> sleekest handle yet with their craft handle starter set. Uh, it includes the craft handle blade. Five-blade German-engineered razor cartridge, shaving gel, and a travel cover. Um, plus, like you said, you can schedule replacement blade delivery whenever you need them. Refills are as low as 2 bucks. Right. That's a $17 value, that starter set, and you can get it to try it for just $10. You go to harrys.com slash Gleeman. That's harrys.com slash Gleeman, H-A-R-R-Y-S, harrys.com slash Gleeman. I got one. I use it. Uh, I use the craft one now at home, and I put my old one into my travel case. So. Okay. Um. Let's see. So I think if you have a top three pitching staff, the goal should be, at bare minimum, how do we build an average yeah. lineup? Yeah. Now, it's not ideal. You'd love to have a top well, three and lineup. And here's the truth. You know, they're 20th overall or something like that. Major League Baseball sort of runs per game. So right. The problem not, has been more the – like when I said it's earlier – been about the consistency right. of it. When right. I said earlier they're a bottom five lineup, right. they're not – Season long, just overall totals about a final lineup, but the distribution of their runs has been a bottom five lineup, right. which we've talked endlessly about. It kind you of know, brings it's us been back to sort of like, it, it brings us again to sort of like it's not necessarily that you need to just throw more big bats at it. It's just a matter of getting enough right pieces in place right. such that you're a little bit more consistent. You're a little bit better. Like you want to go from twentieth to fifteenth, right? And you're more a lot more consistent. So. Okay. So where do they need to upgrade, or where? What are like the openings, or I guess what are the most seamless spots that you could do it without displacing someone who's actually pretty good or part of your long-term plan? Because right. you know if you're bringing in an average hitter, but you're displacing someone who could probably be projected to be an average hitter, you're not really moving the needle that much, particularly if that guy's part of your future. But so to me, I mean, you're not you're not bringing in a shortstop, obviously. Right. Even though Correa, yeah. I mean, first of all, as as frustrating and mediocre as Correa has been, finding a better shortstop is impossible. Right. Obviously. You're not going to bring in a catcher no. because, A, 
you haven't even decided to really bench Vasquez yet and play Jeffers. Yeah. It's similar to the outfield situation that we talked about earlier. Still about a 50-50 split right. on those Which, two, right? Okay, that's a change it's from... Probably, a, it's probably time to go 60-40, right. <laughs> just FYI, right? But, I mean, they have a lot of money invested in their two catchers, right. one of whom is playing really well in Jeffers, one of whom is signed to a three-year, $30 million deal. They're not going to bring in a catcher. And also, a, there's aside from frontline starting pitching, this is the bigger point. The yeah. most expensive and, and <laughs> hardest to find, li- right. most limited supply yeah. of anything you could ever try to get is a starting yeah. catcher. Good luck finding a great hit. Right. There isn't a Mike Piazza out there right, right. now. Right. Unless you want to try to talk Maurer out of retirement or something like that. <laughs> Tim Laudner's around if you want to bring him. <laughs> he is around. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, hi, Tim. Oh, Just kidding. Just kidding. Sort of, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, the, no, so not so those are two covered. Catcher, right okay. now, second base. I would say second base. You don't need either, right? Because either Jorge Polanco is going to be back, which Falvey said he's going to rehab. Basically, he's going to start a rehab. Basically, like now, mm-hmm. assuming it, you know the last few days went yes. reasonably well. Yeah. Now they're not going to bring him back in three days. It's probably going to be two weeks or something like that. But certainly by the trade deadline, you would hope to have Jorge Polanco back in your lineup. And at least have a sense that you can count on him. And if not, if you can't count on him by that point, you have Ed Julian, who defensively has been rough, but offensively has been their best hitter, basically. So second base, I don't know that you really need to do anything at second base. Second base is also, you know, not quite to the level of center field or or catcher. It's going to be really hard to find and very expensive to find a good hitting second baseman at the deadline anyway. And so I think you have to – I'm not that confident in Polanco's health. I'm certainly not a big believer in Julian's defense. But I think that's one of the spots where you have to just live with what you have in terms of resource allocation. Like you can't – It would be be hard to bring in somebody that can only play second base. Right. You know what I mean? Which isn't – there aren't a lot of players like that. But you don't want to be – shutting out the other two right. options. You'd have to have somebody really exceptional. Now, right. the one that then gets tricky is DH. Yes, it is. Because DH is the spot where you literally just say, can he hit? Right. Yes. Except you have Buxton at DH. Right. And, you know, he hasn't hit. But are you going to acquire a DH and what? Just yeah. bench Buxton or put him on the IL? I mean, yeah. if you bench Buxton, you have to put him on the IL. Right. He can't just be a pinch hitter at that point, right. and he's not playing the outfield. So I think... Unfortunately, that's the easiest slot to fill at the deadline because you literally you're just wide open in terms of possibilities. Any bat, it right. can be a shortstop, exactly it can be right. a catcher, it can be a left fielder, it can be a guy who literally can barely run to first base. But if he can hit, you put him at DH. But I think having Buxton kind of closes that off. And look, as we said earlier, if Buxton's not going to hit, they're going to be in trouble anyway. So I almost feel like you're banking on Buxton hitting, yeah. being healthy. Now, if you are truly not a believer in that, then right. yeah, maybe you try to bring in a DH, except the majority of the guys that you would bring in at DH can at least play first base, can at least play left field, right, right field. Yeah. And so it would kind of check both boxes right. anyway. It cuts it cuts off it cu- the DH spot for now is spoken for. Right. Is what it, I would say. You just if you're gonna bring in somebody a Odds are they can play some other position. But it cuts we, off the Jim Tomies, right. the Nelson Cruzes, exactly. the you know, if you're true gonna, end of the line, yeah. you know, David Ortiz at the end with the red. Like guys who are just hitters at this right. point, it what, cuts those What guys I would off. say about almost all of these positions that you're kind of going through is what we're really kind of talking about is what is the threshold offensively that they have to meet. Right, we're kind of starting with. Right, at, at, you have to be you have to be an unbelievable offensive catcher for us to be able to to right. or, 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 to, to pull you in here. Uh, you have to be um, 
an unbelievable DH to be replacing Buxton. We're going to be getting to some position, and a second base would be another one. Like right. we're not saying absolutely don't appear uh, consider a second baseman, but it's got to be an unbelievable performer, like right. a, you know, a true All Star type performer. Yes. We're going to find positions a little bit at different spots where that is not the bar. Right. Well, and <laughs> right. the other, the last thing I would say about the DH spot, and I know there are people listening to this and want wanting to push aside Buxton, and I get that, but they're not, I don't think they're going to do that. And I think it's reasonable to expect Buxton to perform better, obviously, down the stretch if healthy. But yes. within that, even if he doesn't, guys like Walner and Larnick can be DHs. Well, guys like Julian, do. by the way, could be a right. fantastic DH if Polanco is able to play second base. Yes. And so you have internal options there that can fit that same description yes. or cover that same need if you do decide Buxton's just not able to do it. Okay, so... And then there's one more tricky one. Uh, you're talk about. Let's see. One more tricky one. I think. What? Third base. Okay. This is... Uh, so what makes third base tricky, in my mind at least, is the fact that you're waiting for Royce Lewis right. to return from what will be a six-week-plus oblique injury, which puts him in late August, early September, essentially. So you're going to have to make that decision on what you want to do at third base long before you have any real sense of when or if he'll be ready. Now, beyond that, you know, Royce Lewis played really well for 26 games. But are we sure how good Royce Lewis actually is as an everyday third baseman, offensively or defensively. Now, I I do think you kind of have to just live with that if you think he's going to be healthy. The problem is you just don't have time to let that process fully play out. I mean, if the trade deadline was September 1st instead of August 1st, you'd have a much better idea of what can we count on or not from Royce Lewis. Now, there are other options internally at third base other than Royce Lewis. We're seeing them now. Jose Miranda, Willie Castro, Kyle Farmer. Now, can you piece together third base there in place of Lewis, wait for Lewis to come back in late August, let's say, and then worst case, if he's not able to come back, if he restrains his oblique or whatever, can you live with that trio of guys at third base? I don't know that you really can. Yeah, I'm like, not. I'm not ruling third base out, right? right? But and and in terms of again, sort of the hierarchy of what what offensive bar they need to clear. Right. Third base is certainly lower than a lot all the other positions right. that we have sort of talked well, about at this point. And here's the truth. If you went out and traded for, I don't know, Matt Chapman or something like that, right. a, like a legit stud sure. third baseman, and Royce Lewis does come back in August or is really good in September, ready to go in September, right. he can play some second base. He can play some shortstop. Maybe you talk him into playing some outfield. He, by the way, could be a DH a little bit. You know, there there are at least ways to find work for him in the lineup. Right. And here's the other truth: if you go out and trade for Matt Chapman or some other really good third baseman, and Royce Lewis comes back, and you just find yourselves in September, and you're going, we just can't find room for Royce Lewis. Yeah. That's a shame for Royce Lewis, and it's yeah. not ideal. Right. But that probably means you're hitting pretty well as a lineup. But on the other hand. If you're talking about a more mediocre third baseman who's going to be a free agent at the right. end of the year, it isn't necessarily going to cost you too much because, you know, they're not a they're not tearing it up, but they're a competent third baseman. There was at least one on the list that I'm thinking of that I can't think yeah. of right now. We'll right? get into on the Patreon. Right. Uh, that I thought that's exactly right. Like almost a slight upgrade from Gio Urshela, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not pushing. I don't know that you're pushing aside your plans too much for that like or you're certainly at least not giving up a lot i think it's it's tricky but i would view it as like you're really trying to upgrade miranda farmer and castro with a trade not trying to upgrade royce lewis 
Because A, finding somebody better than Royce Lewis is going to be tricky. Right. And it's going to be expensive. And B, you're not even really sure if it's going to be a need. Because if Royce right. Lewis comes back, then why did you need to upgrade from Royce Lewis? Right. And so you're kind of planning for the month between the deadline and September 1st, when you may be without Royce Lewis, and then you're putting in place a contingency if Lewis doesn't come back or struggles when he comes back and all that. Because I don't know that – I mean, I – Sorry to say this, but I don't know that you can play Jose Miranda as your everyday third baseman at this point. No, I don't I think don't. you can live with I mean, it offensively or defensively at this point. Does that change at some point in the future? Maybe. He's uh, got a week to try to show you that that's different. Yeah, I mean, but he, he, he doesn't look different than he did no, he when they sent him down, unfortunately. No. And he himself could be a potential trade candidate if there are teams you that are believe correct. Uh, So, But yes, third base I think is the first kind of, okay, that's a spot you could – realistically try to target something yeah. at but okay so then beyond that though center field is a spot that you could absolutely try to target i mean yeah. michael taylor hasn't done a bad job yeah. he's just in a role that he's ill-suited for which is right. playing every day against right-handers and left-handers michael taylor has been really good defensively yeah. he's been very good stealing bases he's been really good at like squeeze bunting and some of the small things that adds to this team at the bottom of the lineup and he's popped a you know 10 homers or something but he should not be playing every day against right-handed pitching and unfortunately they've needed him to do that and so you look at his overall numbers and you know he's got 650 ops or whatever that's absolutely a spot you could upgrade right but finding even an average all-around center fielder right. at the trade deadline is a going to be difficult because right. there aren't that many of those guys and most of those guys are playing for good teams right and then b if you do identify someone like that they're going to be really expensive to pry that's loose right. from these that's teams right. yeah i mean it, it, like you, it's similar to the catcher situation right, right. if you're going to find a center fielder who really add, listen you're primarily goal here isn't to find a good center fielder it's to find a some offense right and it's hard to find a center fielder that adds a lot of offense now that turns out there is one on this particular trade market there that looks like a, a pretty good fit but he's also going to be real expensive right. So, right. so third base and center field i kind of view a little bit similarly where it's like you dig around make calls yes. assess the market try to push on yeah. some of this stuff but it's I, not i would, I would say the one place i would and i haven't found this player really but a mediocre Center fielder that's left-handed might make sense, right? I guess, yeah. You know, somebody that you you know, you put you're putting Taylor back into a platoon, but role, even that's where he was. That's a pretty good player because that guy's playing two thirds of the time. Could be, yep. I mean, that's the strong yeah, side of a right. platoon. Yeah, listen, I'm, I, I just said I haven't actually found this guy in the trade market, right. but that's the guy I am looking for. That, guy. but if a stork drops him on a bad team, John's ready to pounce. Exactly right. That's exactly right. This guy was born yesterday. The he gets left-handed. The guy, the guy I have in mind is a really good left-handed. Hitter, so. Uh, so, what does that leave? You know, that leaves the two corner outfield spots. And to some extent, first, first base, base in the sense that you could shift Alex Kirloff right. to the corner outfield. Now, first base gets tricky, though, because Donovan Solano has also been part of the first well, base mix. True. And he's been damn near their it's best true. player. It's true. Uh, you could play Donovan Solano at third base a little bit if you want to take that you hit could. defensively. I actually think you might see a little bit more of that if they We've saw already seen a little bit Miranda. of it, yeah. um, For that matter, you could play Solano at second base, too, a little bit, which he's mm -hmm. actually played quite a bit in, in the past. But And so that's what you're set with in terms of – What's the most seamless way on both fronts? What's the easiest way to make an upgrade? 
but also the least, the most cost-effective right. way to, yeah. where you don't have to shed your entire prospect right. capital. And right. it's either left field, right field, or first base. I'm going right. to lump all yep. those together because right. there's some, you know, Gallo can play all those. Uh, corner outfield and first base. Yep. And so the good news is that the, those are also those are happen to be to the most to plentiful them. spots yeah. for offense. Other than DH. Right, other than <laughs> DH <laughs> yeah. in all of baseball. Right. There are always going to be guys who fit that description. Now, you're slicing that group thinner because you're really looking for a right-handed bat or a switch hitter. Probably, Because yes. you have yeah. all – who do we just name? Kirloff, Gallo, Kepler, Walner, Larnack right. are all left-handed yes, right. hitters. Right. So I would be choosing a right – Unless it was a really exceptional bat, sure, I would be choosing a right-handed. Yes, I agree. Sure. But and so we'll get in on Monday on the Patreon. You know, we'll go through the actual names from the actual teams, what we think it would cost, whether they're upgrades, right. what their contract situation, you know, impending free agents versus under team control, all that stuff. But I think, you know, on whatever whiteboard they got in whatever room at Target right. Field where they're mapping <laughs> this thing out, and they are doing that, it's got to be primarily. Right-handed hitting corner outfielders, maybe some third base center field guys mixed in there. Sure, but I actually sort of view that theoretically as a good thing because it's not difficult to identify. It's not. It's relatively plentiful. It doesn't need to be super costly in terms of you know prospect capital or whatever to acquire, and. There are guys like that on the market every year, yes. and there are guys on the market like that this year. Right. What gives me pause, and and they kinda, don't have to be superstars. Well, right. right. I mean, just literally anybody who's got a little bit of pop, right. controls the strike zone, and can right. play not a horrible defense right. and is right-handed. What gives me pause before I'm like, okay, they're in a really good situation here, is they've just shown no willingness to move on from the two guys they have in those spots. They've shown no willingness to give a chance to Walner specifically. And throughout the offseason, this was a clear need, and they showed absolutely no willingness to just go out and sign an uh, Adam Duvall or a Trey Mancini or just some random guy to a one-year $5 million deal to upgrade from Kyle Farmer. Now, instead, they ended up not really even using Kyle Farmer, so they just kind of went without. So against lefties, you've seen Gallo out there. You've seen Kirloff out there. You've seen Kepler out there, which just weakens the lineup. So on one hand— Willie Castro. A lot lot of Willie Castro. I mean, look, God love Willie Castro. He's a real nice 13th guy to have, but— you should not be playing Willie Castro every day at this point. And, you know, he's got the, I don't know, the sixth most played appearances on the team. And that's after barely playing in April, right, by the yes, way. Right. He's batting fifth against righties. He's playing left field most days. Like, you're, you're stretching yeah. the, the, and at some point that, you have to go, you know, when are we, is this, a, right. this isn't the right lineup, right? right. You know, I mean, right. and we're seeing that a little bit with Farmer and with Taylor and Castro, which is these are solid depth guys which right. is what they were brought in by the way to do they were not br- none of those three guys were brought in to get 550 plate appearances and when you'd use them in a role that is more of a regular everyday role the flaws become more apparent you aren't able to just spot them in the best possible matchup i should also say the guys that are on the market like this are not going to necessarily get y'all excited right they got a lot of these corner outfield names that we're going to be talking about I'll, I'll go a step further i think a lot of these guys who uh are that we're going to end up talking about as a corner outfielder, especially right-handed hitters, et cetera, are guys that we, were they on the free agent market, I'm not sure they would have been viewed as better than or worse than Joey Gallo. I'm not sure they would have gotten a better contract sure. than Joey Gallo but the got fit, stylistically three, four, five months ago, right? better for the Twins. At, at least style, I mean, first of all, they're performing and Gallo isn't. They're performing and Kepler isn't. Like, we're not right. picking guys who 
suck or having a bad year right now. We're picking guys who are having a pretty good year. Now, that doesn't necessarily guarantee they're going to have a good August and September. No, but also think so of clear. when they did sign Gallo, what was the number one thing that we said, which is as a pure value proposition, it makes some sense. Right. $11 million to bank on a, a Joey Gallo bounce back is not crazy. Now, right. it turns out I probably wouldn't have done that if I could redo it, but it's not crazy. Right. Yes. But at the time... We were like, what do they need another left-handed hitting corner outfielder for? Well, they're going to be trading they, Max Kepler. That's what the thing. Yeah, <laughs> they ended up trading Luis Rise, and they still right. didn't really yes. need him because right. you know. Uh, but if you had found a right-handed hitting Joey Gallo right. at that point, Might which is actually less valuable, just sort of theoretically, right? Uh, yes, right, because you, you know, know the strong side of the platoon, right. right? Yeah, right. But it's a much better fit for the actual roster itself yeah. because it's not duplicating what you have. In Kepler and at the time Arise and Walner and Larnick and Kirloff and on and on. And so, so to the, your point, yeah, the guy they might get as a right-handed hitting corner outfielder, you're going to go, well, that, that guy's not even necessarily better than Kepler be, or, yeah, yes, or exactly Walner right. or Larnick. Yes. yes, but he's presumably having yes. a decent first half or had a decent first half and presumably can hit left-handed pitching, which has been their yeah. number one weakness now for multiple years and has really come to a head this year. When and also – in short series is something that can just kill you. Well, yeah. Right? Here you talk, you get to the postseason. I was like, thinking That is one that. of the things like, Jesus, are we really going to roll into the postseason as the 30th hitting uh, versus left-handed right. pitching? What do you think we're going to see in the postseason? Yeah, what do you think that roster is going to be loaded with? I was looking at some of the potential third <laughs> wildcard teams, Fair. Yeah, okay. and there are going to be scenarios where that team just can't that hurt you with left-handed pitching. Because they don't have it. Right. But okay. there are going to be, there's a couple of teams where you're going to see two lefties in three games. Well, just so we're clear. They can call up a dude from AAA that's fairly mediocre. Yeah, but they're not going right? to start them in a playoff series. Yeah. I mean, you would almost want them to do that. <laughs> well, that would, that would be interesting. Yeah, but that would okay. be interesting. So, uh, just to polish yeah, every point. So, the good news is, you know, the bad news is, you're we're going to be running through some names of corner outfielders that we think could help the Twins and are probably going to be realistic targets. And you're going to hear these names and not be excited about them. The good news is. They're available. They're not going to cost a lot, and they could actually help this team. Right. Right. So. Yeah, and I, I think. But you're, 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 I'm not against the idea of them being aggressive for a second straight uh, trade deadline. I'm not against the idea of them trying to acquire legitimate stars. Right. I just think you know that's not really something that's available in the bullpen. Right. And it's available. Well, and, it, and it hasn't worked out particularly well, well right. when they've shot for that. But also, it's it's available in the sense that there will be a handful of star caliber hitters probably moved. And, you know, if the Cardinals Maybe. are open for business, yeah. they got Goldschmidt, Arenado, and some other guys. Well, we should talk about that. That fit how, that description. Right, yes. We're going to talk about that in a second, yep. which teams are actually going to be moving. But for the most part, because you need a corner outfielder, a first baseman, maybe a third baseman, maybe a center fielder, but you're ruling out the other spots, right. It like some of those star caliber guys that are available just don't help you enough right. or aren't clear enough upgrades that you want to pay a premium to get them. Yeah. Uh, and so that eliminates a little bit too. And so I'm not against the idea of them pushing more chips into the middle. Uh, you know, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, no half measures, whatever right. cliche you want to put in there. I mean, you don't sign Carlos Correa and do trades to build up this pitching staff yes. and then go, eh, we don't want to really invest much more at the deadline. Yep. I'm not saying that isn't what they should do. They should absolutely call on Goldschmidt and Arenado and similar guys like that true middle of the order impact guys. Right. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. But I don't know that that's needed 
necessarily. It would be great, right? But for the from a cost standpoint, you know, co- cost effectiveness of standpoint. Right. I mean, if yeah, you're sitting right. here saying go trade for Goldschmidt. You better be ready to trade Brooks Lee. Yeah. You better be ready to trade Emmanuel Rodriguez. You better be ready to trade Walner and, and, and. Like, you better be ready to trade legit dudes that you've been thinking about joining this lineup in the future. Because you're not going to get Paul Goldschmidt. Even if we assume he's going to waive his no trade, I right. think they both have no trade. So they it might both, just be they a, both have no. It trades. might be a moot point anyway. Right. But a, a, you're not going to get a player like that for you know uh, your sixth, eighth, and twelfth right. best prospect. You're going to have to give up a premium, and so I think weighing that against the idea of. Well, couldn't they just kind of give up their ninth best prospect and get a pretty good outfielder and then give up their 12th best prospect right. and get a Michael Fulmer type for the bullpen? And wouldn't they be in relatively good shape at that point? I think that is the path that is most likely yes. and the path I would probably pursue the most. But I do think it's worth still trying to of push course. and be aggressive. Of course. And I would expect them to do that. I just I don't know that it fits. I don't know that it, it it's lined up as well for that approach as it was last well, year it, in terms of what's available uh, yeah I because think last right. year it was right. yep. we need pitching help we right. clearly need pitching help right and, and you're gonna have to pay for that either way right and so there were several right. you know frankie montes tyler right. malley now they all got hurt and yeah. every trade was terrible right. but it was at least uh connecting the dots between that was a little bit easier than the it is one now. difference i would say one of the pieces i would say is different between this year and next year or last year is last year it was clear that <laughs> That they were also looking forward to this year, right? In right. that, in the uh, the trades they were making. I mean, yeah, they did some of the stuff on the side, like let's get Fulmer and let's no, get uh, and, and let's valued, get the backup catcher. I forget his name. Is it Leon, right? Sandy. Right, but Leon, the reason right. they valued Jorge Lopez right. was because he had three years of and, team and control. The they drew, Malley was the same thing. Correct. I don't think that is a focus. Well, for this always, team going it's forward, a focus. I, I I don't know that it's going to be for. I'm, and I I'm, I would say I. I think they've got enough faith in enough of the people in this lineup that they don't want to be committing to a. I just think they year always value that. Huge, I mean, listen, I'm not, huge listen, I'm not saying they're going to rule out Paul Goldschmidt because he's under contract for 2024. Don't no, get me wrong. I think right? they always look first to controllable guys because they place a huge emphasis on that, and they're not alone with that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But almost any time Falvey talks about, you know, at the beginning of off seasons or whatever about what their plan is, it's always. You know, we, I don't think. Yes, I mean, can you say? I think there's a lot. I think there's less focus. I think there should be less focus. But here's on what it, I'll say to that: a right-handed hitting outfielder. Won't that be a need next year? Why would that not yeah, be a need fair. next year? Like the, the, their system does not really have that. That's true. I mean, that's true. Right. Yeah, I mean, for a right their system outfielder, has you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And even you going forward, that, you can say that for first base, really, too. Even going forward, Emmanuel Rodriguez, lefty. Walker Jenkins, lefty. Right. Like the Brooks Lee, switch hitter, but he's an infielder, obviously. Uh, okay, let's talk about teams now. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll know more, obviously, two weeks from now, because some team that's on the fence is going to go five and 10. <laughs> yes. And another team that's on the fence is going to go 10 and five, and that's going to push them from the middle to one side of it or whatever. Uh, but to me, I looked at Fangraphs as of this morning, the playoff odds. And to me, you know, obviously this is subjective because some GMs want to hold on to a 5% chance and some GMs don't care about a 30% chance. But if you're under 20%, 20% or under, uh, if you're you're less than a quarter of the chance to just make the playoffs, and a lot of that is wild card for these teams, that to me would seemingly be a for sure seller at this stage. And so here are the teams... 
There are 11 of okay. these teams. 10. I'm guessing uh, some, a couple of these I put in more of the middle row. Right. But keep uh, let's see what you got. Royals. Sure. Athletics. Right. White Sox. Right. Tigers. Yep. Angels. Rockies. Nationals. Okay, so Angels you've got. Now, I put Angels in the middle right Angels now. Angels aren't doing shit. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I know they're below nine. 500. They just lost Trout for three months. Listen, I'm not saying I don't think they should. They'll sell. I think they should sell. <laughs> they just might not sell Otani because that's going to leave a mark. But uh, uh, they, I think It's going to leave a bigger market. they don't sell Otani. Yeah, but the, I'm not saying logically. So you don't, have, you don't have Seattle in that one. You've got Seattle in sort of the middle ground. Probably. Seattle's like 40-something percent yeah. chance to make the playoffs. Okay, right. But so, okay, so wait. Royals, Athletic, White Sox, Tigers, Angels, Rockies, Nationals, Pirates, Cubs. I think all of those teams... In my mind, and at least that's statistically, exa- exactly should be clear-cut yeah. sellers. I will put two other teams in there who are below 20% in terms of playoff odds, but they're going to be more stubborn about agreeing with that, Okay, which is St. Louis, who we just talked about. And I don't mean this – I think they'll sell, but will they sell Arenado and Goldschmidt? Well, I want to talk about is that. It's completely different because right. those guys are signed beyond this year, right. and they have no trade clauses, right. and they're MVP caliber play. I mean, Goldschmidt literally won yep. the MVP last year. Yep. And then the Mets are the other one. Okay. The Mets are below 20%, yep. but is Cohen, Steve Cohen going to actually sell so, with the most expensive so team in the history of baseball? Both of those teams I put into the sell category, but I'll tell you, I did. <laughs> St. Louis has already indicated – that yes, they are quote unquote selling, right? Right. But what he really said is, we're looking to 2024, right? Which Goldschmidt and Arenado would be a part of. Exactly. So, on the one hand, that's good news for the Twins, I guess, in that a lot of the things that they could be sending back to teams are teams that are, are players that are, you know, you mentioned Jose Miranda. You mentioned, I mean, you know, Brooks Lee. They they are players who are a lot of the Twins' assets for sale. Are in Triple A or sure. have have some limited time in the majors, some service time already in the majors. So if you are a team like the Cardinals, or I would suggest also the Mets, who are both like, listen, it's not going to happen this year, but let's make sure any assets we get are you know not assets that are low A assets, high right. A assets. We're interested in guys that are going to help us next year in twenty twenty four. Whether that including you know. Uh, maybe some pitching assets. The Cardinals are certainly going to be looking for that. Like, how interested are are you willing to suggest a Bailey Ober or something like that? Are you willing to to give them some cost controlled youngsters that are replacing all the guys they're going to be losing from their starting rotation this year? That's the good news about that. The bad news is the high end guys are all under contract for twenty twenty four. Right. And so as a result, so why are you trading? Them yeah. So why? Yeah. Like if the Cardinals are looking to compete in twenty twenty four. 2024 why are they trading away Goldschmidt right right if the you know if the Mets are looking to trade uh, to compete in 2024 Alonzo is not going to be available <laughs> not that Alonzo is right. necessarily available anyway but you, you can see where their higher end guys are almost all under con- th- th- these guys are not all free agents to be otherwise it'd be a no-brainer that they're getting rid right. of them right so the next tier which is like you know you're under 50 percent but you're above 20 percent basically right. you're kind of coin flip range right. to make the playoffs uh, you know, I would put the Cardinals and the Mets in that tier just in terms of like functionality of like how they will actually view it, but they're not in that mathematically. Right. The next tier is like the Padres. Yes, Padres the, are a major question. Mark. Yeah, the Red Sox. Yep. Uh, the Mariners. Yep. Who you mentioned, uh, and then here's the funny one: the Guardians. 
Now, that's not going to help the Twins any in the sense that the Twins aren't going to go out and trade. I did not put them in that, but I, I did First think all, a little bit about it. They don't have any hitting anyway, so that's not going to help. <laughs> well, they got a bullpen. They true. certainly got yes, some bullpen. And they, but if the Twins called the Guardians and were like, uh, hey, what? how about Class A? Well, and also, I mean, the Guardians have shown – I like that you put them in this category in part not because I think they're – have a chance of being sellers, but because I think they have a chance of trading away some of their assets that might be valuable right. to them in August and September because they have not shown they have shown a willingness to flop to trade away some starting pitching for some hitting. Right. They've to, done it right. almost every year. They yes. traded away Carrasco and Bauer right. and Clevenger right. and Kluber and guys who kind of similar to the Brewers last year when they traded away Hater to kind of well we're going to right. we're, we're going to try and find we're going to. Because of their payroll situation, which maybe this changes with new ownership or whatever, but they're constantly trying to, and this is somewhat familiar to Twins fans, I'm sure, they're constantly trying to both buy and sell. They're trying right. to keep alive this year's hopes, but also if we can trade Shane Bieber right. for three really good prospects yeah. or a bat that can a help us. A year and a half of Bieber left. Over. Right. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, can right. we get full value for him? And that's something like Without Tampa Bay often does. Yes. It's something Cleveland often does. It's something the Twins have potentially done. And so now, is that going to help the Twins in the sense that they might go trade for one of Cleveland's relievers? No. There's a 0% chance right. of that happening. But is it going to help the Twins in the sense that Cleveland might be worse on August 2nd than they are today because they've traded away Shane Bieber and tried to well, push some of that value into the future? Or that, uh, you know, that puts, you know, some of the other relievers might be available to the Twins because some of the teams that are willing to pay more for relievers are already getting, are getting some of Cleveland's. You know, it, yeah. it, it just adds to the supply demand of the right side of the supply dem- demand dynamic. Okay. So that's kind of. Stage set for for the <laughs> we go. for the deadline. There's roughly two weeks and change. Monday we'll start to kind of on the Patreon, p a t r e o n Patreon dot com slash Gleeman. We'll start to kind of look at. Okay, they need a right-handed bat. Let's actually get some names yeah. here. Okay, they need a reliever. Yeah. Let's actually get some names here, and then even within that, we can maybe talk about well, what are they what are they trading in these situations? Right, yeah, right. Which major leaguers? Which prospects? What is this going to cost? What is kind of the pain threshold from a farm system standpoint? Yeah. What is this going to cost? We'll get into that, but I thought it was important to just kind of lay of the land type of thing. Not to mention, we'll also be covering the Oakland series on Monday morning. True. To see <laughs> any moves that they make, and maybe they will be making some roster moves based on how things go in sure. Oakland or how some people hit. So you never uh, know. Draft. We were going to finish with some draft talk. <laughs> um, we'll just start by taking, we talked a half an hour on the Patreon. Yeah. Go check it out. Uh, just to give you the Cliff's Nose version, the Twins were supposed to pick 13th based on their record last year. But as luck would have it, this was the first ever, the inaugural MLB draft lottery. And the Twins were the biggest beneficiaries of that. They moved up eight spots, which was the most of any team, from 13th to eight, uh, to 5th. Yep. And almost immediately, as soon as the college season started, everyone started calling this a five-player draft. Right. Which five guys who first of all it was an especially deep draft. Yes. And second of all, it was those by by a five player draft. I mean five players that could go number one almost any other year. Right. Right. So three college guys, uh, the two LSU guys, which is Paul Skeens, the uh, dominant starter, Dylan Cruz, the Golden Spikes uh, College Player of the Year outfielder, and then uh, Wyatt Langford, a slugging outfielder from Florida who finished runner-up in the College World Series, <laughs> two LSU, and then two high school outfielders, Max Clark, who's sort of a toolsy uh, center field type, uh, kind of a leadoff type 
from Indiana, and then Walker Jenkins, who's your prototypical big, strong, uh, likely kind of prototypical slugging right fielder, best, left-handed hitter. Best pure prep hitter in the draft. Right. And so the Twins picked fifth, and initially it was like, well, all they got to do is take whichever guy of those five right. yes. didn't get picked in the top four. Right. Pretty easy. I mean, shit, you don't even have to scout it, really. Just There you go. Sorry for swearing. I forgot it was on the Patreon. Shoot, you don't even have to scout it. But then I think in part because there's a mock draft kind of industry. And yeah, I, well, I don't personally do mock drafts because I don't claim to know that much about high school players and college <laughs> sure, players. Right. Uh, the Athletic runs it. Baseball America runs a weekly one. Fan graphs, yep. baseball perspective. Every, every outlet, ESPN, yep. they're putting out this content one way or the other. And it's boring to just say week after week, mock draft version 1, 2, 3.0, 4.0, 4.2, whatever, updated this week, 24 hours before the draft, all this stuff, to just go, yeah, there's five really good players, so uh, those guys will go in the top five in some order, and here's the rest of the draft. <laughs> yeah, the Twins will get whichever one right. we didn't pick as the top four. And so I think right. you combine that, which is one of your favorite phrases, kind of freezer burn. Yeah. You get freezer burn with the storyline or the, the yeah. narrative surrounding yeah. this, even though it hasn't changed. And if anything, it's been solidified. The three college players could not have had better seasons. <laughs> right. And then the two high school yes. guys really solidified their status as the cream of the crop. Right. And yet you still had people who were going, well, yeah, but what if the twins instead didn't just take the straightforward approach? Right. And the twins do have a reputation, especially not necessarily amongst the top picks, but certainly amongst... Right. Oh, picks two through ten, or preferring three through ten, uh, college, college players, players. Right. and college bats, and there was a lot of talk about what their models say and all this right. stuff. Now, hopefully, if you listen to the Patreon when we kind of previewed the draft about a week and a half ago, you heard us downplay the notion of a Jacob Gonzalez or a uh, Kyle Teal right. or some who, of these college college pl- college because hitters, right? I did put in the legwork and talk to the people in that room, and they said, "Well, it's not impossible we pass on one of the top five guys." This whole notion of we're obsessed with college bats and we just go by our model and all that is uh, wildly overblown. Right. And it turned out exactly that, which is the top four picks were the two LSU dudes, the high school outfielder from Indiana, Max Clark, and then the, the Florida, Florida dude, yep. and then Walker Jenkins was still available. <laughs> and instead of passing on a guy who a lot of people thought is one of the best high school pure hitters uh, in the last decade. Yes. And a guy who would, like you said, go number one or certainly be a, a legit candidate to go number one in a lot of previous years' drafts in a normal right. draft class for some, you know, uh, higher floor, lower ceiling college guy. Yeah. They just they just took him. Yeah. And right. afterward, yeah. it was very funny talking to Sean Johnson, who's their VP of amateur scouting, who's the person who makes those picks. Right. And he was like, uh, well, yeah, we, we like Walker Jenkins a lot. We were really happy he was there. We took him. And it's like, but didn't you know there was... He, and specifically... 4,000 mock drafts, and the people were casting down, and he was just kind of like, well, yeah, but who cares? Specifically, like, that was the rumor kind of going... As of two weeks ago, week and a week ago, was that the Twins would be more likely to take a college player if it's Walker Jenkins right. that falls to them. Now, yeah, we'll right. never know what the truth was, right. but I can tell you they took Walker Jenkins. So, <laughs> right. you know, right. and within that, you know, they were full of praise, but obviously they're going to be full of praise for whoever they picked there. But the, the one thing he th- told us, uh, it was like a midnight Zoom after the draft, Sean Johnson, he said, People may have seen, if you were watching the draft, they showed the Twins draft room in like the second round, right. and they were all wearing uh, white, white visors, visors, 
which was to pay tribute to Mike Radcliffe, who was first a legendary scout and then became VP of player personnel uh, in later years. He spent like almost 40 years with the Twins. And in the scouting community, he's kind of viewed as like one of the last true. He's the scout you know, scout. The scout scout. Yes, yeah, that's it. And he's got his fingerprints all over, you know, Maurer and Morno and going back right. even further than that, obviously. And so Sean Johnson said how great it was to be able to get on the draft and show that tribute and everything. He died in February after a, from cancer. Um, but then he said, well, you know, one of the last times Mike was out scouting was in August right. at a all-star high school event. And we were sitting there watching Walker Jenkins. And he was in love with Walker Jenkins. And afterward, <laughs> he filed one of his last scouting reports that right. he would ever file. And he gave the highest possible grade to Walker Jenkins, which is an eight out of two to eight okay. scale, which is potential superstar. Right. And, you know, within that was full praise in the write up. Like, if you can somehow, by the way, they didn't know they were going to pick fifth. Right. And yeah, at, at the, the time, time right. they were probably probably in line to pick about 20th because they faded in <laughs> no, that's true too and so yeah, it was like right. well here's a report this guy's a superstar i don't know why it's relevant to us but right. here you go yes. and so sean johnson said well you know you never want to pick fifth because that means it didn't go well for you the year before this is one case where you know i mean it did not go well the right year before but but you yeah, lucked yeah, right, into yeah, fifth that's right yeah. and then to have this guy be the last available of what we agreed was a great top right. five and he said it's you know i read back he said as we were making this pick, I went back and called up that scouting report from August, one of his last scouting reports that Radcliffe, and he said, it was almost, reading it over, it was almost like, hey, man, if I'm not here for this draft, yeah. here's who you pick. This is supernatural, uh, yeah. supernatural no, I'm not even a big uh, believer in that stuff in general. I like Radcliffe looking over that. Cause odds are, you know, wherever he is, he knows even more about Walker Jenkins than he did <laughs> right. when he was here. <laughs> uh, but but there is it is, in retrospect, funny how much – What's the word? Obfuscation of uh, how much kind of trying to muddy the waters of what if the twins are kind of weird on this and they don't. No, they took the guy. And so I'm going to have Monday my updated uh, midseason top 20 prospects. Uh, I think Baseball America put theirs out today. Walker Jenkins is like immediately a top, certainly 50 uh, global prospect. And I think some people will consider him a top 25 global prospect. Hmm. You know, I think it's debatable, which I'll write about Monday, if he should be immediately considered the Twins' top prospect. It's semantics, obviously, at some point. but right. Or I like to wait until a guy debuts, at least, to sure. kind of get a sense. What if he goes out and hits 150? Then, you know. Yeah, right, right, um, yes, but right. he's one of the better, just at the time of the draft, prospects the Twins have ever drafted. Like, he's not quite at the Mauer level. Yeah, but he's not quite at the Buxton level. Yeah, but I mean, he's right. yeah, he's, he's up there. there. I mean, yeah. certainly, I would say Royce top Lewis. ten, top yeah, five. Right, yeah. I mean, he's a better prospect than Royce Lewis for sure. He's a better prospect at the time than Brooks Lee for sure. I mean, he's a yeah. legit number one pick type of guy. Now, there's a lot of bust potential in any eighteen year old kid. Sure, um, but that's who they end. There's up. a lot of risk associated. Yeah, but a lot of upside. Right, and so he'll sign for more than seven million probably, which is the slot amount. Uh, I would expect him to sign relatively soon. I think there's his a, agent is Scott Boris. His agent is Scott Boris, who they've <laughs> certainly dealt with plenty, including right. on Royce Lee. I, yes. I mean, Jesus, Brooks Lee, Royce Lewis. Oh, Royce Lewis <laughs> as the number yeah. one pick. I don't know why I keep doing that. Other than I'm stupid. Um, so yeah, that's your draft talk. Now, if you want a lot more about their other picks and kind of how the draft played out, and some fuller quotes from Sean Johnson right. and some 
other quotes that I got and also just a more of a scouting report on Walker Jenkins, then you're a, a perfect candidate to sign up for the Patreon. You're yeah. exactly the type of person it's for bug, whom the folks. Patreon was made. <laughs> Patreon was made. It's going to cost you five bucks between now and the trade deadline. Give it a pull. Yes. Uh, thank you to our uh, sponsors, Harry's and Game Time and uh, Nuts.com and HelloFresh. Uh, we will be back on Monday morning with a recap of the Oakland series and then probably more deep dive into trade deadline talk or trade deadline news that comes up, yep. any other news that comes up. Uh, we'll probably be back uh, Wednesday with maybe even more trade deadline talk or maybe a mailbag. We'll see about that. It'll be ways. trade deadline either way. It might, it might I'm going to guess yeah, the mailbag yeah, questions you're, you're will right, be you're right. yep. about that too. I, actually, I'd be kind of interested to see some of the names that people come up with uh, in some of those mailbag questions. Well, be it's going to be like... How do they get Aaron Judge from the game? <laughs> He's injured. Maybe they can pick him up on the team. How about if we give him a new toe? That'd be, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, that would be. Well, if the Twins had the ability to fix body parts, I think they wouldn't be in this <laughs> shape that they're in now. That is true. Uh, all right. We'll talk to you Monday on the Patreon, or if you're silly enough to not subscribe to the Patreon, <laughs> we'll talk to you Friday. Can you